TFS, episode number 58. Hi, this is Martin Woodward. And this is Greg Duncan. Well, Greg, we've got some exciting news today. Yep, absolutely. It is update two release week. Release day was yesterday. Um, and that's a, this is a significant update, to, to say the least. Certainly felt like it on our end. Keeping us busy. <laughs> yeah, we had to delay the recording a day because you were saying what well, you were uh, hitting the publish button. Yeah, I had like RSI in my finger from hitting the publish button on different things. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's been busy. So yeah, do you want to have a give everybody a quick recap of what, what we announced and where the announcements are and things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, you know, if you guys um, are interested in getting a, a nice, you know, series of link roundups. Uh, there is a post, the, the Moaning Brew Roundup, which is a great aggregator. He's a, a human aggregator, and you can see it uh, at uh, tinyurl, M-B-R-E-W, 1329. And Chris Alcott, he, Alcock, he does this daily uh, nice, it's not just a link dump, but it's a number of links with a paragraph of description. So it really makes uh, filtering it through it easy. So if you like, you know, Microsoft stuff, you like the stuff that we talk about, you know, he should be at the top of your, not Google reader list, but your Feedly, News Blur, you know, tiny, tiny RSS, whatever list. Um, and he's done, uh, yesterday he did a nice uh, roundup, or this morning actually he's supposed he did a nice roundup of the number of links from uh, the different luminaries on uh, Visual Studio 2012 Update 2. One of the ones that he talked about was... You know, Soma Gear, of course, is going to talk about it. And he's got a really nice post of uh, higher level uh, pictures of some of the things. And, you know, update two is just across the board broad. We're talking uh, agile planning stuff to make, you know, uh, updates to TFS 2012 um, to, uh, you call it quality enablement. And you can tell he's like a VP, you know, or, uh, but uh, he's got all the good buzzwords in there. He talks to a lot of uh, CEOs and CTOs and things as well. <laughs> he, know, he knows what's hot on their lips. So he, he's got nice higher levels. So if you're looking at, you know, selling your manager on what update two is, go to his first and he, they'll give you the good management speak stuff. Uh, you know, some of my favorites, you know, they're talking, they actually did some nice line of business tweaks, which I find re- really cool. You know, a blend for Visual Studio is now RTM. It's released. It's part of the package. And by the way, uh, just from personal experience, don't let the blend for Visual Studio kind of confuse you. It's still blend. It's still in a separate executable. Don't think you can go to Visual Studio and create a new blend project or things like that. I, I spent like an hour looking for, oh, where's the blend? I'm in Visual Studio and I can't find the blend. And then I had a plop moment, you know, when you smack your palm to your forehead and realize, oh, duh, it's got its own icon there on the start menu labeled blend for Visual Studio. Gotta love but in case. conventions. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, some of gear has got a nice high-level one. Then, of course, we start going into the detailed ones like you guys are listening to Radio TFS stuff. Brian Harry's talking about primarily the, the TFS-related items on there. Uh, you know, one of the big ones, uh, you know, 
really nice ones is that your TFS 2010 build controller, uh, they've built in build controller agent compatibility. I always hated upgrading TFS uh, because to from, you know, one version to the, uh, to, you know, 2010 to 2012 or, or whatever, because then you'd have to actually, you know, even though the solutions were round trippable, your build agents would all have to be updated. And you have to synchronize that and get those up there and get them uh, and deal with all that nightmare well you know they've listened to the pain as all of these updates really seem to be focused on are dealing with the holes listening to our pain the people out in the field pain um and addressing that so one of the things i was thinking about is actually fairly unprecedented that um we rather than going you know think about what we've done there we've actually gone and changed the server so if it if it hears you coming in as a 2010 build agent it pretends it's tfs 2010 and goes speaks back to you in the TFS 2010 version of a protocol, and we completely changed how that protocol worked for um, you know for, for 2012. So it's pretty cool that they've done that. I'm, I'm really impressed that you you don't have to update your bits. You don't have to update your 2010 build controller. It just it's it's the same old code. We just you know we just work. So I'm really very very pleased that they did that. It makes it so much easier and solves that chicken and egg situation during upgrade totally. Yep, yep. And you know one of the things is that um, TFS 2012 build machines don't support. XP. Well, with this agent in place, TFS 2010 build agents do. If, if you happen to be in the XP world still, you can still be in that world. Leave your TFS 2010 build machines on those XPs, but still upgrade your server, your backend to 2012. So that, that, that's pretty neat. Um, yep. Uh, Charles well, so Sterling. We, oh, go ahead. I was just no. I was just going to say about the um, the the light switch client being in there as well, and that it's actually uh, it's, it supports HTML now as a as an output format, not just Silverlight. So that's very exciting news over um, at tinyurl.com. WAC VS twenty twelve hyphen two D. Yeah, yeah, and that's RTM too. It's no longer preview or, or anything else. So I, you know, we I think we've talked about this in the past shows. This that that could be interesting. You know this. This is V2, um, and it's nice, you know, even though we all know the, the Silverlight story and stuff, but uh, uh, that's interesting, and that's compelling, and that has actually sparked my interest in starting to think about this for some line of business applications that, that you know I'm looking at here. So uh, I was actually chatting to one of my friends who's a huge... Um light switch fan and you know he's obviously thrilled about this news but um he was he was saying you know he's he's pleased he understands why the html supports there and he's you know he's pleased that it's there and it'll help him for certain things but he also still really likes the silverlight desktop client you know doing a desktop client um having a this rich uh standalone gui that people can run you know in in the windows desktop it, for certain applications and for certain people that's still the way to go yeah yeah I hear web you. apps are certainly web apps are certainly easy to deploy though aren't they so. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. I mean, it, it really all depends on your audience. And that's, you know, the, the differences between some of these, you know, plug-in model versus uh, pure play. And heck, I'm in still, you know, WPF land. So I, I hear, you know, there are just some things that, you know, when you're doing desktop apps, just, you know, anyway. Um, the other yep. thing too is when you guys are downloading it, and I've installed this on two machines yesterday as soon as the announcement came out, which was like 10 p.m. Pacific, so just under 24 hours ago as we record this. Um, 
installed it, but it does the initial download when you download it. You know, it's going to be, it's a web installer. So the download is small, but it's going to go out and download all the other stuff. If you've got machines that are not connected to the internet, how do you get the bits? Well, Rob Karen has that information for you and he gives you all the details and all the information. You can get that at tinyurl bs 2012 2 e as an echo. And he'll give you the uh, details. You Basically, you go to a machine that does have internet access. Obviously, you're downloading at one point, And then you uh, pass it a uh, command line parameter slash layout. It will grab all the files for you. And then you can then transfer them to your um, non-connected network machine. One thing to note as well, if you're um, an MSDN subscriber, you can uh, download the ISO images of these things um, from MSDN. And for TFS um, and TFS experience, you can obviously just in, download the full installers as well. So if you want to, you can. But that new uh, getting the layout thing is pretty handy, you know, if, if you want to do an admin install, like you say. Right. It's very, very useful indeed. Cool. Hey, and another thing that's worth looking at is um, there's a, you know, I'm a, I like videos, quick, a quick video that will show me some stuff so I don't have to read too much. Um, if you go along to um, tinyurl.com, whack tools, sorry, toolvs2012-2, uh, we've got a new guy on the team um, called Dimitri. Dimitri Lallan and uh, Orville talked to Robert Green about Update 2. Dimitri's a super cool guy. We, we, we definitely want to get him on the show a few times, I think, Greg, because cool. um, he's, he's, uh, he works in marketing, but don't let, that hold it, don't let that hold it against him. He's actually a really, really cool guy. He wrote, um, I don't know if you, do you listen to any of the podcasts on the Twit Network? Yeah. yeah. Well, he wrote the Windows Phone app uh, for the Twit Network. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. That's him. Same chap. Wow. Uh, he's a good He's a really cool guy. We've been talking a lot lately. So, yeah, we'll get him on the show a few times to talk about various bits and bats. But he did a good uh, good video there with uh, Orville and Robert. So, cool. And also, um, if, you want, if you're one of the people that want to know, you know, did bug XYZ get fixed in this update and things, there is, um, along with, you know, all the updates, we always have a KB article that go alongside them. If you go to tinyurl.com, whack KB279-7912, that's the catchy name that corresponds with update. Two. <laughs> what update two? You know, that's not a, well, how, why, why do we have to come up with these catchy marketing names when you've got two seven nine seven nine one two? It's just crazy. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, go along and have a look at that. I would. I, I wanted to highlight that because it, it's a useful post for looking at some stuff. But bear in mind that um, it kind of depends. Not all the bugs are in there. I, have, it's, I know it sounds bad, but. Um, the way it works is that uh, different teams are in different modes. So if you're, you know, you're the main VS team, uh, then if you're doing some and you're sort of in like a bit of a maintenance mode, then you're just, um, you do your bug fixes and they're very, you know, uh, strictly recorded as, a, as an individual bug fix kind of thing and goes in. Whereas the TFS team and the, some of the teams in Visual Studio, especially the Visual Studio Ultimate team, you know, the guys doing the test list stuff and things like that, and the Light Switch team even, they're all in a mode of actually building features because the updates aren't just fixes to stuff, it's features as well. And it's very hard to distinguish between a bug and a feature sometimes. So, you know, one man's bug might be another man's feature. And so the, the problem, you know, there's stuff that's not in that KB article that's been, that's been changed, we'll say, you know, or fixed. So, uh, so that's worth mentioning. And another thing, um, people often ask for, you know, can I get a, can we get a dump of the bugs that were fixed and things? And I thought about doing it a couple of times. I know Brian's actually, Brian Harry's actually tried to do it a couple of times. And 
one of the things I'm, I'm trying to rationalize is how to, because um, I did it for Team Explorer everywhere for a couple of customers. I was like, hey, here's what changed, because Team Explorer everywhere was updated and updated as well, obviously. And um, I was trying to say, these are the bugs we changed and, and things. And, and just like re rewording the bug into a, a human readable format is an interesting exercise. <laughs> And then also actually taking, excluding the bugs that were, so we, we build a feature, then we find some bugs on it and we fix them. But that, that feature was never shipped in a in an RTM release. It might have gone out in a CTP or something, but it was never shipped in an RTM release until now. And so you have to kind of subtract those bugs. It's actually a really interesting exercise trying to do trying to do release notes, you know, from TFS work items. It, it, it was really interesting. So I haven't figured that problem out, but it's an interesting problem because I would obviously love for TFS to be able to just automate the release notes process, you know. Um, but like I say, what do you do with a bug where it's based on the bug is fixing something you never saw? You don't need to see that bug, you know. So anyway, it's an interesting problem. So uh, sorry, we've risen a big list really that contains everything, but there's a bunch of stuff. Go look at those blog posts. <laughs> and, you know, the, the other side too of that is that there are some bugs that are not, that didn't make this list. You know, from my personal experience, I, I was dealing with an issue where I uh, had a database project. Uh, it, basically, there was a um, using a third-party component, a WPF component in the WPF designer. It was erroring with a null reference error every time I would like click on either the XAML window or the design window. And the, the issue actually was just that I had a database project in the same solution loaded. As soon as I right mouse clicked an unload project, it worked fine. Um, and I've seen other references out there in the, in the inner tubes uh, about other people. And they, nobody was able, able to reproduce it or anything else. And you know, I was able to narrow it down to that. And that got included in this fix, but is not listed in that KB article. So, you know, it, this is, if you're using Visual Studio, you know, update it. And the update two is cumulative. It includes update one. Um, yeah, it's worth calling out, actually. Don't, you don't need to install update one, then update two. Just, just go straight to update two. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, and, but, um, and it did take quite a long time for me to install update two. That's mostly because of the time it took to download, you know, this like the light switch stuff and the blend stuff, which are all you because I was installing Visual Studio Ultimate. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it can take a while to download everything, but once it's downloaded, it actually installs fairly quick. Yeah. So how do we know if we're, but how do you know if you're ready to install update two though, Greg? Well, we, we think we might want to. Yeah, funny you should ask. Martin Hinslewood's got your back on that at tinyurl.com nwvs2012-2. And he's got a nice post uh, uh, talking about, again, the, the new stuff. But, you know, Martin lives in our space, in the TFS space. So he's talking about a number of the features that are new to us, the, the TFS 2010 build controllers and a number of the other features on it. So basically, you know, look through that list and say, you know, like, yeah, I, I need this. This is, this is the important stuff. Um, and, and he gives you all of the tips. Yeah, and Martin's been blogging up a storm lately, so uh, he's another blog that's worth keeping your eye on if you're if you're a regular listener to this show. He's yeah. definitely worth. We should get him on as well sometime. <laughs> he's a Scottish show. If you have trouble understanding my accent, you probably don't stand a chance with Martin. So there we go. Uh, and then um, some other new functionality in update two as well. Um, we introduced a new feature called test playlists. So Richie Jan Miara has a great um, roundup of what actually a test playlist is. If you go to tinyurl.com/wac/update 
number two play. It sort of takes you through and gives you a quick run through, and and it's just a quick way of building up, you know, a playlist like you would do in uh, iTunes or or in Zune or whatever. You know, just build up a list of what songs should be in, and this will let you build up a list of what what tests should be in. So that's quite cool. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've if if you're in that TFS 2010 land and you've got all of these test lists already created, and, and you were kind of hating life a little bit when you moved to 2012 and you didn't have that list on it. Well, Charles Sterling talks about an open source utility that will actually convert your test list to your 2010 test list to Visual Studio 2012 playlists. And you can get that uh, information at tinyurl.com. Update the number two, the word play, P-L-A-Y, the number two. Update to play two. So we're getting near the middle of a show. I just, while we were on Martin, I was on Martin Hinchwood's blog there then just then um a post worth calling out here for everybody is um if you do have the uh 2010 build servers and you want to point them or update to you know like we were describing before martin's actually got a really good uh, run through there showing you how to do that with um screenshots and everything so if you go to tinyurl.com slash 2010 build the number two that you know and if you're wondering what the experience is like you see it's, it's really good so there's a little bonus one there for you anyway greg sorry <laughs> no problem i like his post it's got the little arrows and the circles and the do yeah. this and then this and then this i like that exactly. but you know we've already talked about him twice in the show so no more martin no more martins yeah get rid of the martins darn martin <laughs> um speaking of middle of the show it's that time episode 58 of radio tfs is brought to you by sas made easy a leader in hosted TFS, dedicated virtual servers, and a- ALM TFS consulting. You can reach them at www.sasmadeeasy.com. That's www.sasmadeeasy.com or at, via email at sales at sasmadeeasy.com. And I think we can get back to the show. And, but you have to cool. thank these guys. And you have to thank uh, Paul, who unfortunately couldn't make it today to our show. But uh, again, you know, free isn't free. Somebody's got to pay the bills. And uh, SAS Made Easy got, guys are uh, helping us out with that. They sure are. Hey, um, so last time uh, we were chatting, um, we you were having uh, some issues with your server. Did you ever get them sorted out? <laughs> oh, that's right. I was supposed to delete this because, you know, this is the Greg is an idiot part of the show. I hate when that part of the show comes up. Um, yeah, it was basically Greg was an idiot. Um, we talked about, you suggested the BPA, the best practice now, analyzer. You know, I really have to have just a little bit more coffee. But um, the BPA, Best Practice Analyzer, uh, is part of the power tools for one. So if you guys out there are looking for where do I download BPA, well, you don't download BPA. You download the power tools. And you can get the TFS 2010 power tools at tinyurl.com, TFS 2010 power, and the TFS 2012 power tools at TFS 2012 power. 2012 power. Um, and the, the BPA is part of that. Now, tip for all of you people uh, who aren't willing to read the documentation or anything else because, you know, if you're like me, documentation is... Yeah. Anyway, um, when you run the BPA, there are two steps. First, you choose the kind of uh, um, uh, checks you want to run, and then you click on go, and then it's doing all of these checks, and it gives you time estimates and how long it's going to take and, and that kind of stuff, and then it does all these green arrows, okay? So that's only part one, all right? Just because they're all green arrows doesn't mean it passed all the tests there. It just means it was able to execute those tests, okay? That's not the actual result of the run. 
run. You, you need to actually look at the report of the run, and that will give you the breakdown of any of the issues. So, you know, I, I was looking at that, and I was kind of going, whining about BPA not finding, you know, oh, I didn't find my issue, which was, in long story short, um, the agent wasn't running on the TFS server. There's a, there's a background agent, the service that was uh, um, supposed to run. It was set to automatic, but at some point we changed our password. Um uh, we never updated the service, which was using a logon as that user ID and password. So it never started. So even when we rebooted, it never worked that way. Uh, and the BPA actually found that once I looked beyond the first screen of check marks and looked at the actual results, and it says, "Oh yeah, your the background agent isn't running." <laughs> so um, the BPA is your friend. Run, run the run the run the stuff, and then look at the results. And that's actually very common. Microsoft has a number of these. Um, BPA-like things. There's one for Office. You know, these to be called the count, the, the, well, the Outlook connector, but now it's the Office one. There's a number of these BPAs, uh, and they all work similarly. Uh, you run it, you run the test, you see the results, the check marks of the test. Then look at the results, look at the report of the run, and that will give you a bunch of the details on it. So in the end, though, yeah, as soon as I changed uh, um, the password and fired that up, bam, all our, our projects got deleted, the collection got uh, created. It was funny. It was just rock solid then. <laughs> cool. That's good to know. It's um, a couple of things. The currently the power tools uh, are against update one. Um, the update two version of the power tools will be um, out in a couple of weeks. I think I'm not quite sure of the exact date, but it'll be coming along fairly soon. So you probably, if you've already installed update two locally, I'm guessing the installer will actually block you from installing um, the. You know, if you've got update two Visual Studio locally, and then you try and install the power tools locally i think it might actually stop me doing that so uh yeah you might not be able to run it in a minute because it's part of power tools but it's really cool so uh, maybe run it before you do the i would actually recommend that you always um run the bpa before you do um any uh upgrades so definitely do that before you go from update one to update two on your server right um, and then go ahead we just the, the, the actual um the updates themselves the, the bpa sorry well, I would remember it yeah the way that they get created is actually this this began life as a tool that our support teams built for themselves to run so when somebody calls up with a support query they they get all their learning and they automate it into into a tool with microsoft we just automate everything so uh, they take all the like the common you know mistakes that people make uh, or common issues that happen put them into a tool that can diagnose them and then basically just get the customer to run that and that's always like the first step of any customer support problem is run this tool and see if we figure out if if we've come across this problem before kind of thing and so if any if anything comes up in support like a configuration issue or uh, something if enough if, you know if more than sort of two or three people phone up and it's the same problem then they'll usually go create a rule for it stick it in the BPA and then we ship that BPA out now publicly every time we do a power tool release it's, and it's the current version of the best practice analyzer as we as we are shipping the the power tools so that's that's a little bit of a history as to how it came about you were saying your question sorry Greg yeah question for you um I had a question uh, via on my Twitter story stream or back to update two, but, um, or the difference between update one and update two, the Git service, uh, service control provider. Yes. Um, does the one that was out Wednesday and before work with update two? I know it required update two CTP four. Yep. Is there a new version of that? Um, you, the one 
that was released the other week mm-hmm. uh, works fine against the RTM version of Visual Studio. Um, and then there's, an, there's actually another version of the Git extensions coming out in another couple of weeks sort of thing. So the, the, what happens, and uh, again, one of my Twitter uh, followers was asking about this, um, so we're all it's all done on the same sprint schedule so you know we we all finish sprints every three weeks we're just about to finish sprint uh what are we on sprint 46 finishes today actually so there you go so we're all on the we're all on sprint schedules and we 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 ship all you know ship regularly ship after each sprint you normally you tend to see the service um gets updated kind of the week after the sprint is when the week following the sprint end is when the service gets updated and there's a bit of a week of you know test runs and preparing and testing making sure everything's going to work properly and then the service will get updated the um the updates that get sent out to visual studio and team foundation server they occur um every few sprints and there tends to be because that's the big update you know there tends to be a bit of a delay between um finishing the sprint and then the actual update rolling out so that's why um i'm trying to think uh, update two yeah i think sprint 45 was probably like the previous sprint was the last time that anything we would have checked in showed up in update two i'm trying to remember now and then um the the team that do the the git um extensions the visual, the version control team right they um they can actually do the the git tooling the uh, the v6 tool they basically can just ship that whenever they want and they do so if they find um because it comes directly you know they run their own build kind of thing because they're not they're not dependent on anybody so um if they find an issue and they want to ship it they just ship a new version if if they found a really bad bug they would just ship a version that day but uh if they want to um and well they typically ship every sprint or every couple of sprints or ship a new build out and so what you're seeing is kind of um how quick people can get things published not not uh not how quickly get them written if you know what i mean right. <laughs> so it's really it doesn't they all finished it they all got coded at the same time it's just when they arrive out the doors differently so yeah they're working on a on a version right now uh, they're doing some fixes for the git provider um and that'll be that'll be shipping there'll be a version in a few weeks time and you know another version in another few weeks time and and so on until uh until it's sort of stable so that's great cool I'm glad you asked that, actually, because yeah, I meant to. I meant to, meant to talk about that while we were on the show. Um, hey, the um, one of the things that people also ask me quite a lot is about uh, SharePoint applications and how to do SharePoint application lifecycle management. And um, Alexander, wow, Alexander Van der Berg. There you go. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> Alexander has an excellent blog post um, over, and I'm glad I'm glad I've tiny URL this sucker at tinyurl.com slash cd sharepoint for continuous delivery sharepoint cd sharepoint. It's an excellent post on um, how to modify your build process template so you actually deploy a sharepoint app as as part of your build. So you could continuously, you know, do a continuous deployment basically where you go in and do a check in and assume it passes the build and assume it passes its test. It'll actually go deploy that to your SharePoint instance for you. So that's a really cool um, blog post there, tinyurl.com slash CD SharePoint. Very nice. So, you know, it wouldn't be a TFS, uh, radio TFS show, if we didn't talk about the ALM Rangers. But, you know, you guys out there, you've heard me rant or vent or no, expound, talk about um, the ALM Rangers. 
But what if you wanted to learn more? You know, you guys are out there. You're hearing me talk about it, and, and you know, what are these rangers? What is it that all this crud that they're talking about? Um, you know, how do you get involved in a ranger project? You know, they talk about ruck a lot. If if you know you needed one resource, where would you go? Well, you would go to tinyurl.com, Ranger Desert, R-A-N-G-E-R-D-E-S-E-R-T, as in Lost in the Desert, uh, Desert of Terms. Um, Willie P has a nice post here when he talks about like these FAQs, how do you get involved in projects? A lot of the URLs associated with the ALM Rangers is here as well. We talked about the, the treasure map, but, uh, the dashboards, uh, there's just all sorts of stuff. And it's really not a long post. It's, it's a nice, you know, easy scan. If you're interested in anything to do with the ALM Rangers, I suggest you head over here and uh, check them out. So this is, is Oasis, is it? It's great. <laughs> yeah. really, there's so much stuff there. So, and one of the things I've been looking at recently, you, I'm interested, Greg, you use the Team Foundation service a bit, don't you? Correct. Do you, Have you customized your profile image in the service? No. Be, there you go. Drives me insane. <laughs> Nobody does. And we, we've noticed this as well um, in the on-premises version of TFS. You know, we're noticing people aren't customizing their profile images much, which is, which is annoying. So we're trying to figure out ways of making that better and we're working on some stuff. But one of the things we're wondering, I was actually wondering if it was worth like syncing up um active directory to the tfs profile so you know so you could pull in any pictures there because in inside microsoft everybody's badge photos are stored also in active directory so inside of outlook and inside you know inside everything that we use you see a nice little picture of people which is cool right uh, the only the only problem is i mean i before i came to work at microsoft i ha- i had a proper job <laughs> and i've had you know i've worked in many real companies and i don't know i'd be interested to hear from the listeners if you want to if you want to email us actually radio tfs at gmail.com actually be interested in who does have images of people stored in Active Directory because uh, Microsoft is the only company I've ever worked for where, where people actually bother to do that. So, But if you work for one of those companies where images are stored in Active Directory, um, Betty actually has a great blog post that shows you how to... Um, keep your images in sync with Active Directory. So actually how to take the images out of Active Directory and put them into TFS, which is just fantastic. And it's a really good post, not just to, um, it just shows, you know, it's one of those short little snippets of code that not only shows you that it can be done and it's a nice takeaway thing you can actually go do, but it also also shows you how to talk to Active Directory itself from .NET, how to pull pictures out of it, um, how to parse, you know, how to, fit, how to parse those and get the formats and things. And then also um, how to use the um, the services in TFS to actually programmatically update those images. So if you have images stored somewhere else, like if you have an internal phone book on your intranet or something like that, you could write a similar code, you know, which uh, which trawled your internal phone book system or something and, and kept those images up to date inside TFS as well. So it's a great post. If you go to tinyurl.com, whack ad pick sync um or you can go to show notes and get and get the link here you find that excellent post that's neat i'm looking through that now i'm like oh i can use that but i know it's a great code it visit some coding there's like three or four coding for fun articles <laughs> in that one post alone isn't there <laughs> 
So we're getting to the end of the show. And, you know, there is, as as a wrap-up, this is really a visual. you got to see it. Go to tinyurl.com, TFS360. And what better way to utilize your Xbox 360 than using the um, IE10 that's available on it to display on your big widescreen television your product backlog? Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is you know, this is your justification for getting that 360 works. Like, boss, you know, look, you know, it's, it's cheaper than a computer, right? We've so got to get Connect hooked up to this. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> but um, so if you, Bruno has this post and he's showing it at in its um in its glory, you know, uh, uh, that is just pretty awesome. And really, actually, it is cheaper than a computer. You know, if you're looking just to display this kind of stuff, you know, um, and it shows actually how cross kind of browser it is, you know, it's running on the IE on Xbox. So, uh, uh, you know, if you're interested in something cool, uh, check out this post. Bruno just made an awful lot of people in our test team very happy now because I just realized we can now justify <laughs> buying a bunch of Xboxes for the office. <laughs> we don't want to break back compatibility. This is an important feature that our customers are relying on. Exactly, exactly. Cool. That's a great way. That's a great way to wrap up the show. That's a great post. Thanks, Bruno. Thanks, Greg. Okay, cool. So yeah, that is that is the show wrapping up time. Gosh, that's gone very quick. I enjoyed that one. Um, if you have got any comments or feedback or anything, if you drop us a line, radiotfs at gmail.com. Of course, you can leave us a voicemail at 425-233-8379. It's been a, yeah, really enjoyed the show. So if Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you next time on Radio TFS. Radio TFS.